Good evening. Welcome to You Scared of This, a podcast where two grown men watch every episode of Nickelodeon's hit 90s horror series for kids, Are You Afraid of the Dark, and then review it for you, our listeners. I'm Eli Phillips, and with me as always is my best friend, David Dykus. Hello there, internet. How are you? Dykus. Never mind. Eli, what is it? You said that with with such urgency. What is it? (laughs) Dykus, tonight we are reviewing the final episode of Season 2 of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. It's been a long, long time coming. Looks like we made it. The tale of Old Man Corcoran, the the final episode of Season 2. There were times I thought we'd never reach this point, but here we are. Oh yeah, plenty of times. Feels pretty good. Before we get started on that episode, though, I have a few questions for you. All right, lay it on me. The first question is, how you doing? Uh, I'm sleepy. I just got home from a hard day of work. How are you? I'm pretty tired, too. I had a long day of going swimming and eating a bunch of junk food. That doesn't sound like a bad weekend. Okay, well, that's my first question. My second question is, Rick and Morty? Question mark? Uh, I finished it last week. Um... I'm trying to think of how to say this. I enjoyed it. It was fine. It's it's very clever, but I'm going to have to watch it maybe a, again later this year or early next year before I can really like put it include it in my personal pantheon of great cartoons. Uh, I respect it a lot, but I I don't know. It didn't it didn't do it for me quite the way I hoped it would. That's interesting. I liked it quite a lot. I was I was surprised how much I liked it. When I finished it, it felt like. I mean, we compared it to Futurama last time we talked about it. To me, it feels like kind of a... It feels like the bastard child of Futurama and Family Guy. Oh, really? I would have said Futurama and South Park. It usually takes me a few viewings to really, like, sink my teeth into a cartoon. But upon first viewing, it was fine. It was good. I don't feel like I wasted the, you know, 12 hours or however long it took to to burn through every episode. Season 3 is coming out this year, so I'm looking forward to starting that up. I'll tune into it. My third question for you. Stranger Things, question mark? Started it. Watched the first episode. Liked it. I liked it. I didn't really know what to expect from it. I had heard a lot of praise for it and a lot of comparisons to 80s movies. Uh, I mean, obviously it has that going on. Uh, I'm more interested in the obvious Stephen King elements uh, that it... Oh, yes. I mean, I guess it's in homage. Uh, Obviously, this is a story about, like, some kids solving a mystery that's kind of sinister and it's like will expose the underbelly of a small town. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very it. But uh, I thought the opening, the very opening scene was incredibly similar to The Stand. Yes, I made both of those comparisons in my head. So I'm eager to see what they do with it. Uh, obviously, it's really slickly produced. Uh, so yeah, I didn't think it was particularly scary. Uh, it's more eerie. Like, it's more like the... T- the tone of it is menacing rather than like there are no mm-hmm. jump scares. There's nothing really in terms of the paranormal elements that you haven't seen before. Uh, but yeah, I'm interested in seeing the rest of the season. So I'll report back to you uh, when I finish it next week. All right. My final question. You ready to watch old man Corcoran? Maybe I, I had some nineties Nickelodeon nostalgia news to share if we have time for it. Ah, uh, yes. The NNNN. Uh, so, yeah, earlier this week, as of when we were recording this, uh, we got some big Nickelodeon news. Uh, Rocco's Modern Life is coming back in the form of a yeah. TV movie. They're giving it the Hey Arnold treatment, a feature-length TV film in 2017. How do you feel about this? 
You know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I've been thinking a lot about reboots and nostalgia and all of these things a lot lately. Um, and, you know, particularly because of Ghostbusters and the DC reboot and just everything that's happening in popular culture. And it occurred to me that, like, the very worst thing that can happen here is they make a not very good episode of Rocco. Okay. That's small potatoes. That's just super small potatoes to me. And if uh, and if they do any better than that, it's, it's great, right? It's just it's just great. Yeah, I'm also cautiously optimistic. I'm very cautious because Rocco is sort of the patron Nicktune of the Dicus House, so I would hate to see them misuse it. Like the thing I like about Rocco is it had four seasons, and pretty much every episode is great. Like the good episode to bad episode ratio is pretty one sided. So I would hate. What for was the, the worst episode of Rocco? Oh God, I don't I. I don't think I could even come up with one off the top of my head. Uh, the reci- I personally don't like the recycling one because it's a musical, and I don't like when non-musical shows do musical episodes. So yeah, I'm going to say the Earth Day one. Oh wow, I love that one. That's one of my favorite episodes. Everyone loves the fucking recycling song. <laughs> It's not my thing. I, I really liked the line, spring cleaning, I'll sweep off this mat. Spring cleaning. I'll vacuum the cat. That is a great line. It's a great line. <laughs> great because it's div- it's delivered by Heifer's like, deadbeat brother. Yeah, so two of us cautiously optimistic about the new Rocco's Modern Life movie. I'm kind of... I will cut this part. I suspect it's going to be like the future, the first Futurama movie, which is another show that ran for four seasons and got canceled. They brought back as a movie. And it was just kind of mediocre. It's just like, oh yeah, here are all the things that you remember from the show. We're just cramming it into a movie form, which doesn't quite work for these characters. Yeah, yeah. Like, sort of drawn out. Yeah. And not not spectacular. When characters move to movies, it's sort of like when The Legend of Zelda moved to 3D. You wanted it to be spectacular. You wanted it to be the biggest version of itself. And maybe that didn't happen with Futurama. Maybe it won't happen with Arnold. Maybe it won't happen with Rocco's Modern Life. Best not to get too invested in these things. Especially when we've got work to do. I do have one more thing I wanted to mention. If you are interested in 90s Nickelodeon nostalgia, uh, the AV Club recently ran their 1996 week. uh, Because they know they have to keep pandering to people roughly our age. And uh, they had a really Mm -hmm. neat article on there called... uh, Nickelodeon blew up and grew up in 1996, as the full title of the article. Uh, and I would recommend checking it out if you're a fan of 90s Nickelodeon. It talks about how that was sort of a, a crazy transitional year for them, where the old guard was swept away in favor of like a new business model. There was a regime change. Uh, lots of fascinating stuff happening that year. They mentioned Are You Afraid of the Dark briefly. They talk about Hey Arnold, uh, Pete and Pete, Keenan and Kel, all sorts of stuff. So go to the AV Club and read it. Check it out. Share your thoughts with us on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. But now, I guess let's get to the matter at hand. The only Kiki episode of Season 2, The Tale of Old Man Corcoran. This episode was directed by the great Ron Oliver, written by Mr. Scott Peters, and it aired October 2nd, 1993. Yeah, it's the 26th episode overall and the 13th episode of Season 2. Uh, and like I said, it is the only Kiki episode of, of this season. Well, Kiki has an asterisk. Kiki technically wrote the tale of the Dream Machine from earlier this season. Uh, but Gary told that story. This is the first time we've heard Kiki tell a story out loud uh, since the tale of the Captured Souls. Gosh, how many episodes was that? It's been 19, what a gap. 19 episodes, yeah. All right, well, Kiki's back. 
and she's telling this week's episode, and the episode starts... This episode begins as every episode begins, with the Midnight Society playing tag around the Throne of Stone. Yeah, it's my favorite part of every episode, is seeing how the Midnight Society does in a nice game of tag. <laughs> Kristen speaks for all of us when she asks, why are we doing this? <laughs> and Frank's like, it's thematically appropriate. No, none of that happens. Why don't we just tell the story? Why are we playing this dumb kid's game anyway? She does ask that question, and we're told that Kiki has insisted on a game of tag to set up her story. Yeah, Kiki's actually kind of offended because they they suggest that it's a kid's game. Yeah, everyone, I mean, Frank especially, is having none of this. They're like, why are we playing this kid's game? And Kiki tries to say... because they all looked like they were having fun. (laughs) Yeah, like they suddenly got self-conscious all at once. Kiki tries to sell them on the idea that hide-and-seek is in fact the most terrifying game. Because you start in a group, but then you have to go off on your own and hide, and then escape from the Seeker? Yeah, and you're all alone. I, I'm not totally sold on this, but that's how, what she uses to, to preface this story. Freshman literature, if it taught me anything, taught me that the scariest game is the most dangerous game. Which Musical is chairs? A... <laughs> is that a Rugrats reference? Yes, it is. No, I was going to make a joke about the scariest game being the one where you're on an island and you're being hunted by a wealthy British man, but musical chairs, much better joke. I mean, that's the most dangerous game. How is, how is the most dangerous game not also the scariest game? Isn't, isn't danger the thing that is most scary? I feel like there is a fine distinction to be made between scariest and most dangerous. Jumping out of a plane is dangerous, but it can also be fun. Mmm, yeah, that's true. I don't know. We'll come back to this. Anyway, she introduces this episode as being about the scariest game you can possibly play, hide-and-seek. And then she throws the sand on the fire, well, the coffee creamer, and introduces the tale of Old Man Corcoran. Yes, and right off the bat, uh, we meet protagonists. Are there two of them? Yes. Are they young? You'd better believe it. Two brothers, Jack, Jack and Kenny. Jack and Kenny, yes. We're told they just moved to a new house from the bad part of town, and they don't have any friends. Yeah, they're from the mean streets. Actually, the first two minutes of this episode play out basically like a Super Soaker commercial. We're introduced to these characters by watching them just blast each other with giant water guns. One of them has the Super Soaker 50, I guess? No, it's smaller than that, isn't it? It's like the 20. And the other one has... You still remember the numeric labels? That's amazing. And the other one had, not the 50, not the 100, the 300? The Super Soaker 300? The one with a backpack. Look again, Jack! It's the Super Soaker Supercharger Power Pack! Yeah, they are armed to the teeth, and they're just blasting each other, they're shooting water at the camera, they're just having a grand old time. Which, props to Ron Oliver for, like, making the opening of this episode so fun. Like, that's great. Uh, But as they're in the midst of this water pistol duel, a gang of kids rides up to greet them. I thought about introducing them as the Burger King Kids Club, but I realized I've already made that joke once on this podcast. I referred to them as the Burger King Kids Club in my notes. This is a big group of diverse children who are led by blonde Aryan youth boy. (laughs) Uh, This big group of kids... In a cool denim jacket. Yes. A group of kids pulls up to... To introduce themselves. I was like, hey, are you new to the neighborhood? Jack is a no-nonsense kind of guy. He's from the mean streets. He's not having any of this. He tells them to fuck off. He does, yeah. Uh, but the leader of the this 
motley crew of children, a kid named Marshall McLean. Like, nevertheless, he invites them to play hide-and-seek with him later that night. It's sort of an interesting exchange, because, like, no one is particularly friendly to anyone else in the discussion. There's a group of kids standing off, like, in the background as though they don't want to be friends with anyone. They're all on their bikes, and they're just staring. And then this McLean kid, like... In his conversation, he's not at all friendly. He's just very straightforward. He's like, hey, if you guys don't have any friends, we play hide-and-seek. You could play hide-and-seek with us at night. Uh, the boys say that it's a kid's game, which is sort of weird because, like, they're kids and they're playing with super soakers in their front yard. Yeah, a real pot-calling-the-kettle-black situation here. And he just brushes it off. Well, he brushes it off in, like, in that he doesn't fight them or say, fine, forget you. Instead, he says, you guys would probably be too scared to play with us anyway. That's enough to go Jack into taking the kid up on his offer. Jack says, oh, mm-hmm. we'll be there. And the kid says, oh, meet us at such and such location and we'll play hide and seek. Smash cut to a graveyard. <laughs> because, of course, it's a in a graveyard. graveyard. Yep. Jack and Kenny sneak into it. We get an uncomfortably long shot of uh, Kenny trying to shimmy his crotch over the spiked fence. <laughs> Jack and Kitty make it into the graveyard, and it, sure enough... Is the, this the best-looking graveyard that we've gotten so far? Oh, I thought this graveyard looked like garbage. All of these headstones look like they're made out of styrofoam. Do you know what? I'm going to pause. The best-looking graveyard that we got was in the first episode that they ever made, uh, The Tale of the Prom Queen, because it was an actual honest-to-God graveyard that they shot in. As far as graveyards that they've built on sets, this one is a marked improvement over the graveyard from... The Tale of the Dream Machine, where it really did look like everything was made of styrofoam. I thought these graves were way better made. I think this may be the same set. Anyway, sure enough, the Burger King Kids Club is there waiting for them. And like you said earlier, none of them are particularly happy to see Jack and Kenny there. It's kind of strange. Marshall summons the other kids, and they all pop up. They were, I think, every one of them hiding behind a tombstone. And they come out, and they sort of line up. And Marshall introduces them, and the only one to speak is a girl named... Shit. Sissy. Sissy Vernon. Sissy is especially uh, irritated to have to play with these two new kids. Yeah, the, the only one to speak is Sissy Vernon. Yeah. Just call me Vernon. What are they doing here? Quick trivia note. Did you realize who this was? No, who is it? This was the same girl from uh, The Tale of Laughing in the Dark. Oh, cool. I didn't realize that at all. The one whose brother had the hockey room. Right. Okay. Nope, didn't realize that was her. Anyway, she's not doing the best job here. I don't know, like, maybe it was a conscious choice on her part to sort of ham it up and act like a jerk, but the swagger and everything, it comes across as sort of a very, like, played-out kind of characterization. Yeah, I mean, this is every, like, 90s kid who tried to play tough. Sissy approaches the boys and tells them, like, hope you're brave enough to play with us, and Jack immediately says something to the effect of, like, oh, it's just a graveyard, there's nothing here that can... Everyone here is dead. What's it gonna? Nothing here can hurt us. That prompts Sissy to tell them the story of Old Man Corcoran. Old Man Corcoran was the groundskeeper here. He used to dig the graves by hand. No machinery. He thought he owned the place, so he'd walk around at night, all by himself, just to make sure no one was trespassing. She tells him this story about. A specter that haunts the graveyard. She says that once upon a time there was a deranged gravedigger who worked in this very graveyard who used to mutilate children and wound up buried in one of his own graves. The story is really all over the place. 
And they say that his spirit haunts the graveyard to this day, and you can hear him playing his magical harmonica on moonlit nights. Yeah, it was kind of odd. It's almost abruptly dropped into this scene. But I do want to say really quick, this was probably one of my two favorite scenes in the episode. Really? I think this scene does a really good job of capturing the feeling of what it's actually like to hear a ghost story as a kid. This may be the best representation of that in the show so far. And this is a show about kids telling ghost stories. Because as she's telling this crazy story about Old Man Corcoran, we don't cut away to anything. We don't see it reenacted. It's just a long take of her telling the story and the guys reacting to it. And I thought it felt very real. The closest thing that I could have compared it to was it reminded me a lot of Squints telling the story of Mean Old Mr. Murdoch and the Beast from The Sandlot. I've never seen The Sandlot. I don't know. Oh my god. I don't want to have this discussion. I've had to explain to so many people that I've never seen The Sandlot. How much evidence is on our podcast of your deficient youth? I'm sure a lot of it at this point. Like, this may be... For some reason, <laughs> whenever I bring up that I haven't seen The Sandlot, that is an especially damning claim to make. It's The Sandlot is one of the most well-rounded children's movies as far as, like, acting and storytelling and everything. It's just... It's wonderfully made. Uh, but anyway, there's a character in it, and he tells what I would say is one of the best sort of, like, kid tellings of a ghost story that there is. Not a ghost story, but, uh, uh, like, an urban legend type thing. And yeah, this is a lot like that. So for everyone else on planet Earth who has seen uh, who has seen the Sandlot, it's a lot like Squints telling the story about the Beast. You know, the forever moment. Because when Mr. Myrtle asked the cops how long he had to keep the Beast chained up like a slave, they said until forever, forever. And uh, yeah, you know, now that I think about it, you're right. It's a pretty good. It's the best depiction that we've gotten so far in this show. Jack and Kenny are undeterred by this story. They think it's obviously just a attempt to scare them. Jack specifically says, I'll believe it when I see it. And with that, they begin the game of hide-and-seek. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah. They start playing hide-and-seek, and of course Jack and Kenny have to count because they're the new kids. Everyone runs off. And when they finish counting, the game of hide-and-seek is almost immediately forgotten about because the two boys start wandering through the woods, and they happen upon a giant ramshackle shack. Yeah, a big old shack in the woods. A pretty scary looking one. I wonder if they built this or they found it, but it's a really spooky building. That's one of the things that I sort of regret, is not asking DJ more about, like, the production, the the, the nature of, like, scouting out locations on the show. Because we've talked this season in particular about the locations that they've used. I would be curious about that as well. Maybe if we ever get the chance to talk to another member of the Are You Afraid of the Dark crew, maybe they could answer it? question mark we'll see what happens we'll see what happens uh, but yeah as two ki- as two adults who in their youth snuck around in abandoned houses like you and i both know how scary it can be to be in a ramshackle old abandoned house in the woods right yes i was going to bring that up myself this is this is a pretty spooky looking one and there are it's it's like very well lit by the moonlight so i don't know i didn't like it jack and kenny happen upon this house as they're looking for the other kids and they immediately deduce oh this must be where old man corcoran lives and so they're snooping around they're looking at all the stuff and lo and behold out of the shadows there he is old man corcoran he is a ghastly hillbilly in overalls yeah to call back to an earlier episode he looks a lot like giles from the tale of the hungry hounds right he's the same actor is it really yep 
man, what if that's just what that guy looks like all the time? Like, what if he's typecast? Like, they just write these roles based around, well, we know that one guy. He's always in overalls and covered in chalk. We know this one guy who just looks like death. Yeah. (laughs) The two kids turn. They see old man Corcoran. Oh, my God. We get the world's biggest scream take. The kids run off screen, and they are screaming. And we cut to the next shot, which is just a different angle and a different shot of the the cemetery, and the boys running through that screaming. And that goes on for three or four different shots of the boys continuously screaming as they run through the entire cemetery. They traverse the entire cemetery, screaming all the way, throw themselves over the gate, and escape. There's an extended moment of, like, will he or won't he escape? Once again, with the pointy spear things on top of the scary cemetery fence yeah it's that is never paid off like nothing interesting happens with those spikes no it's just like a weird moment of body horror where you fear for this kid's wiener well the wiener escapes unscathed we cut the, to the next day where jack and kenny are in their garage just talking about the night before they're like oh man i can't believe we found old man corcoran and who shows up a few minutes later but marshall mclean marshall mclean and the burger king kids club and his yeah marshall and his merry men show up Asking, like, what happened last night? Why didn't you play with us? And they're like, dude, we saw old man Corcoran. What the fuck do you think happened? Marshall does the the very cliche thing of saying, that was just a story we made up to scare you. It was all in your head. He really lays on, actually, now that I think about it, more psychology than seems appropriate for a kid their age. They're supposed to be, like, what, 13? Yeah. He's like, she told you a story. It scared you. So that, so like, that forced you to believe it. Or, like, you believed it because you heard it. She put the, she she incepted the idea into your head, basically. He's like, don't be stupid. It's not real. For some reason, he's still dead set on getting these kids to play the game with him. And he invites them to come back that night, try again. You know, you'll still be it because you didn't finish. And initially, the kids are, we get a, basically a reenactment of the first scene. The kids don't want to do it. Marshall calls them chicken, and Jack's like, fuck that, dude. You know, we're in. We're going to find the shit out of you. So fast forward back to the graveyard that night. Jack has a plan. Jack's not going to play this silly game. That's what they want him to do. Jack says he has a plan. He's going to find Old Man Corcoran's magical harmonica and take it back as proof that uh, they encountered him. Which is a flimsy plan on multiple levels. Like, one, you're hunting for the possession of a ghost so that you can prove he's real. That's a terrible idea. But two, finding an old man's uh abandoned harmonica in the place where he lived doesn't seem like proof of a ghost at all jack is not thinking clearly he's been driven to madness by this challenge from marshall mclean yeah clearly so they make their way through the graveyard they see a bunch of open graves lots of ideal hiding places but they have no time for that they make their way back to the spooky cabin and lo and behold there's the harmonica just sitting on a stump they have a near miss with old man corcoran who comes who approaches the stump with an axe not for any particular reason, just wandering around a graveyard in the middle of the night with an axe, as one does. Has there ever, was there ever a moment in this, I mean, we see a wood pile, but do we ever see him actually chopping wood, or is he just, like, really attached to his axe? I think he just likes the axe. I think he, I think that's how he exercises his Second Amendment rights. All right. More power to you, Corcoran. Despite the fact that they've seen him and they know he's armed with a deadly weapon, Jack is still uh, dead set on getting this harmonica. He sneaks into the house. Uh, which is pitch black, snoops around, eventually bumps into Kenny, his little brother. And this is where we get my favorite scene in the entire episode. They do the old Looney Tunes bit where 
They're in total darkness. Jack turns to Kenny and is like, what's going on? And he hands the flashlight off. And they banged her for a second, and then we get this exchange. Give me a flashlight. I'm not holding the flashlight. You are not holding the flashlight. Give me my harmonica. Ah! Lo and behold, Old Man Corcoran points the light up at himself to reveal he's been standing between them the entire time. And they go, they run screaming out of the house. Two kids run out of the house screaming once again. They're running through the graveyard. They're running like there's mist everywhere. They fall into an open grave uh, and discover Sissy hiding in there. And they're like, oh shit, we have to hide from Old Man Corcoran. And she gets weirdly defensive about this and says, no, this is my hiding spot. Get out. They reluctantly do so. And they say... Jack throws out the says, line, I didn't see your name on it. And in, a, in an, an overly revealing moment, like an unnecessarily overly revealing moment, the camera zooms in on Sissy after the two boys run off, and she says, well, Look a little closer next time. That scene kind of ruined it for me. Like, ruined the whole episode it, for me. Yeah. It's not anyway. like I didn't anticipate the twist, because there's a twist coming up, everybody. It's not like I didn't see that coming, but this was this was hanging a lantern on it when when it didn't need that. They keep running. The boys keep running through the graveyard. They fall into another grave. Old Man Corcoran finally catches them and demands to know what they're doing in a graveyard in the middle of the night. And they explain like we were playing tag. We were playing with Marshall McLean and the other guys. And this is when the twist happens, Eli. I don't know if you caught this, but Old Man Corcoran turns to the boys and says, "That can't be." All those kids are dead and buried. I dug the graves myself. And we get a slow push into the grave that's above this open plot of dirt. And it's Marshall McLean's grave. He died years ago. Like oh my gosh. Uh, 1965 to 1978. Uh. And now that we have this huge reveal, it's time for the climax of the story. No, wait, it's not time for the climax. He just says the end. Yep. That's the end of the tale. Uh, I don't remember what happens after this. There's some more talk of hide and seek. I think Frank gets shamed somehow. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those situations where an episode starts off with someone saying something is dumb, and by the end of the episode, they're scared of that thing. And all the kids run off, and Frank lowers his head and starts counting. And that's how we wrap up season two. Rockin' Awesome Theme Song. Rockin' Awesome Theme Song. That's uh, that's the end. That's going to do it for season two. I have thoughts about this. Eli, share your thoughts first. What you think of this episode? You know, it's interesting that this episode, you said, had the best depiction of a kid telling a ghost story. Because it also, the episode as a whole, feels like the most traditional sort of generic kid's ghost story that we've ever gotten on the show, right? Yeah, that's fair. This is a pretty straightforward ghost story. It's I mean it's barely it's, it's barely even a story. I'll get to that yeah, when, I'll get to that when I talk about it. You go ahead. Well that's what I was thinking too, is like narratively, it's it's the least sort of interesting or the least well structured spooky story. It's two kids get invited by other kids to go to a graveyard and play hide and seek, and then they find out that the kids are ghosts. Really, the only thing that keeps it from being, like, the most generic story possible is the twist of they think one person's a ghost and he's not, and they think someone else isn't a ghost and they are. Like, it's kind of a double-layered version of that you think someone's not a ghost but they are motif that we've seen a couple of times on the show now. 
To me, this felt like there must have been a scene missing, because we get that big reveal that Old Man Corcoran's real and the kids are ghosts, but then they don't do anything with it. We never learn what the ghost kid's motivation is. Like, we never learn if they were trying to lure Jack and Kenny into the graveyard to kill them. We don't look Like, were they just lonely for companionship? Like, the, the, the rules of this universe are never really established. And it's like in earlier episodes, when we get the big reveal that someone is not who they seem, that happens like 15 minutes in. And then we get, like, the climax, you know, in the tale yeah, of the hatching. The, the, the confrontation with that individual. Yeah. Here, it's just like the twist, and then Kiki looked at her watch and then realized it had been 20 minutes, and she was like, oh shit, gotta take this one home. Uh, the end. You know, I don't think I would have minded that so much if it hadn't been spoiled. They telegraph it too, obviously, with that one line from Sissy. It's really weird. Overall, like, this has fun moments in it. It has the great scream take, and it has the great cartoony scene inside Corcoran's uh, shack. But... Overall, this seemed like just kind of a middle episode. It reminded me a little bit of the tale of the pinball wizard, where it felt like they maybe bit off more than they could chew, or they didn't exactly know where they were going. I think you're right. This feels like the start of a really good story, or like the first draft of a really good story that they never quite finish. So yeah, that's that's a good comparison. Not the, not the worst episode of season two. We'll we will get to that uh, during the Freddies. Yeah, but yeah, just a, kind of a middle episode. Yeah, structurally unsatisfying. Now, there were good things about it. I, I liked that it opened with a squirt gun fight. For some reason, that was just fun nostalgia for me. I thought that uh, most of the kids did a fine job on their acting. The scene inside the scary house where the ghost grabs the flashlight is just spooky enough if you're a kid, but also just funny enough. Like, that scene could have been in an episode of Keenan and Kel, and it would have played as really, really funny. But because it's in Are You Afraid of the Dark, and because Old Man Corcoran looks kind of spooky, it played as pretty scary. Old Man Corcoran, again, looks like a cadaver. Yeah. So seeing him in <laughs> any sort of... actor is okay. So seeing him in any sort of dramatic lighting is inherently kind of spooky. I, I guess it's time to get to our final judgments. I've had a lot of questions for you tonight, I guess, but I've only got one more for the whole season. I think I'm ready. You scared of this? No. No. I wish I was. I feel like this had the potential to be scarier than it was, but no. Hmm. I'm going to take an opposing opinion on this one. What? What? Dykus, I think that I'm scared of this shit. Explain. Hear me out. The shot of the house is scary. Old Man Corcoran carrying around an axe looks scary. The idea of being pursued through a graveyard at night by literally anything, I know for a fact, is scary. And the fact that in the end, there really were ghosts, and we kind of have some lingering questions and some unsatisfied results about them, kind of scary. Also, body horror with wieners. <laughs> that part was not scary. I'm sorry. Uh, the part where he tries to maneuver his wiener over a fence is not scary. I felt his fear, Dykus. <laughs> was that a reference to I feel the fear? <laughs> no. Is that a thing? Oh my god, you don't know what that is? No. It's the song that they did for the... It was the techno song that they made for the show that was on the VHS tapes. They they occasionally aired it on Nickelodeon. It's awesome. Oh. Man, I, I am shocked I don't know this. We're going to have to have a whole episode about I Feel the Fear. Oh, it's so good. I'm going to send it to you right now. 
Wow, I Feel the Fear is the Ron Oliver demo reel that we have been joking about for the entirety of this season. Yeah, it's kind of a highlight reel for, I assume, the first three seasons. Yeah, it's awesome. I'll link to it in the description. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. Yeah. All right. And with that, we wrap up all of season two. Uh, Next time you hear from us, it'll be the celebration of the season two Frady Award Ceremony. Remember to join us for the Fradies. Remember to follow us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Twitter, and whatever social media platform you prefer. Like us, reviews on iTunes, and we'll see you very soon for the on Fradies. On the red carpet. Yeah. All right, we're out. Bye.